Welcome to PTBC Podcast, where we will be speaking about innovation, technology, growing your business, and maximizing your entrepreneurial potential. Let's get down to business. So, so what have you guys been up to? Like, what's, uh, how's the clinic life been, um, been like for you, uh, Justin, right now? He's still seeing virtual? Yeah, I'm doing virtual right now. Um, it's, it's been pretty good. Like, it's just, um, it's been consistent. And uh, my clinic, we're, we're in talks of reopening. Uh, we don't know exact, exact date yet, but I think uh, from what we heard, like maybe, you know, two to four weeks-ish. Like that's the timeline. So we're just uh, doing the necessary prep for that. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, it's, I think, lots going to be, lots of are going to be changed uh, when things open up. It's not going to be going back to what it was before, right? So. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's interesting because I was just, I keep laughing at the fact that, you know, you, like Ontario, like um, I think BC too, like they have a good, um, like good timeline. Like, yeah, hey guys, prepare for a few weeks. You might start to reopen yeah. <laughs> in Alberta. Like, hey guys, you're going to open Monday. <laughs> it's like on Friday. <laughs> it's like, what? Hold on, hold on. What right. happened? It's just like <laughs> drop the bomb and they're like, okay, go for it. I'm like, whoa, whoa hold on, hold on. <laughs> Let me get some like masks or something. Like, give me a second here. <laughs> so just figured head spearheaded it, which is good. I mean, it's good because like, you know, they, it's good that they're they're confident enough that we can do the reopening soon. Yeah. It was just really funny because they're just like just like, Oh hey, do you have weekend plans? Well, wipe them clean because Monday you're going back to work. <laughs> And I was like, okay, all right, cool. <laughs> Thanks. So how's that, how's that been for you? Like just reopening with that? Um, yeah, it was definitely, it was definitely a little hectic at the beginning. It's definitely getting a little bit better now. Cause we're finally getting all, everything sorted out and everything's mm-hmm. good to go. Um, we've got all the necessary, like um, the PPE where I'm just trying to, right now we're just working on like training the staff on how to like use PPE properly, you know, the, the four or five moments of hand hygiene and, and um, getting some sanitizer and all that stuff. Right. Um, yeah. So that's, that's gonna, it's been interesting though. It's because like as soon as I think, I think we start to, um, you know, as soon as we start to get a little bit smooth with the tele rehab, um, we have to redo the, the model again, which is, which is fine. I mean, we have, this is, this is how it's going to be. Um, I think that, um, it's going to be a little bit up and down rocky like this for the next, like, um, couple months because you never know if there's gonna be a little mini waves or or anything coming back or going back for but now that we've kind of set up both sides of things so both in person like safe care uh safe and like with all the precautions in place plus the tele rehabs already kind of sorted out with all our processes so regardless of what happens next we're gonna be ready so if we have to flip back to full tele rehab we have all the means ready to go if we have to flip to full in person we have all the means ready to go so it's it's really now we're kind of almost becoming ish pandemic proof. So, um, which is good. Yeah. What now, are you guys? Yeah. I was going to ask, what, what are you guys using for PPE? Like do you guys, are you guys using a face shield? Are you guys using like a broomstick? That, uh... <laughs> <laughs> that glove on the hand and the broomstick. Yeah, the, the manual therapy. <laughs> that. <laughs> no, that's funny. No, I think, um, you know, I, I've been looking, I've been just kind of staying up to date with all the, the college guidelines and all the guidelines from the government as well. Um, mm-hmm. They haven't specified any specifics for like PPE other than that healthcare professionals have to wear a mask. Um, and they said like quote unquote surgical procedural mask. So we have like the ear loop masks um, ready to go for that. We do have face shields and, and,
and gloves. Uh, they didn't really, they didn't mention too much about gloves on there either. Um, but um, I, I think it's, I think right now it's an optional thing. It hasn't been mandatory. We're going to be on the safer side. So we're going to actually, we have more precautions than actually is asked because we just want to be extra cautious um, oh. just because we want to make sure our patients are safe and the staff is nice and safe. Um, so we do have, we have all the stuff like sneeze guards, face, face masks and uh, face shields. Um, I know there's been like some talks right now for staff, whether or not they can wear cloth masks or not. Um, and again, I don't think they've made a position on that yet. I think we're still waiting on that um, to see if that's okay. But again, I think surgical procedural masks are, ours is like ATSM level three, something like that has like the three layers. So it's, uh, it's pretty decent. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, we got all the other stuff. How about you guys? Do you guys have any, like, has your, has your clinics like talked about the PPE stuff from an Ontario perspective? I was looking at the Ontario um, guidelines too, to see what they've recommended, but I haven't specifically seen anything on Ontario. Have you guys seen anything yet? Um, it didn't seem like there was anything specific, but uh, currently we're going with the uh, face mask and the gloves and make sure that we uh, only allow one person in the, in the clinic at a time because um, we've lined up some chairs uh, outside for the one person waiting, but the person that's inside is the only one because our space is a little bit smaller. So yeah. we're, because the thing is, uh, with people, there's going to be a lingering fear of perception even after long after COVID stops, right? Yeah. So you still have to manage that 100%. But it doesn't seem like there was anything specific stated. The college definitely hasn't released anything. They just said up to May 19th, uh, we're still doing the same as before. Yeah. So just emergency cases, but nothing. And tele-rehab as described, mm -hmm. according to this yeah. Well, the interesting thing is like the the whole PPE kind of debacle or debate just keeps changing like every month, right? Because one, you have to think like, what's the supply like right now? Um, and then two, like, what's the availability as well? Like if they're going to mandate something for clinics, um, I think it has to be within reasonable ability to be able to get it as well, right? Um, so it's going to be interesting to see kind of what happens. But you know what? You brought a good point though. What do you guys think? Like, what do you think... Um, consumer behavior is going to be like in the next like few years because uh, you know i'll be honest even myself like i'm probably going to be a little bit more cautious just about things not that i wasn't like washing my hands or anything when i came from outside or, or just sanitize I, I'm, I'm always i have wipes and stuff anyways all the time um <laughs> But uh, so yeah, before I was ready for COVID, before COVID, but um, it's, it's, it's interesting to see like, um, you know, what this is going to do to consumer behavior, right? Like, what are people going to think when they come into them? Do they, do they want to see some sort of physical distancing procedure continue onward for like the next year or two, you know, at least until let's say like a vaccine or something comes out, right? Um, so what do you guys think? Well, in terms of, uh, I still think people are going to be afraid and this effect is going to be lingering on for a while, um, half a year, a year, potentially with people just changing their behaviors, right? Because currently everybody is hypersensitive to where the hands go, how much the hands touch the face and uh, how close the people are to each other, right? And uh, my friends have spoken about some instances in the stores or in the elevators where there's been some tensions rising. Um, so our job for physio is just to make the patient feel comfortable, right? Because, uh, people have different comfort levels in regards to COVID, right? Some, um, 
feel that they're not as much at risk. Others feel they're a lot at risk, right? And But on average, there's still that uh, behavior of fear, right? So it's up to us to ease that as much as possible. And I think it's a discussion with each person to make sure that we address their uh, perceptions. Totally, totally. Yeah. Going back to your point about elevators, I was waiting for the elevator like two weeks ago and uh, the elevator opened and two people were in it. And I'm like, shit, I'm supposed to follow you, follow me. So I'm just saying, so I'm like, uh, <laughs> I'm just like, I'm just let them go. And like, it just felt so awkward because like, it was almost <laughs> like, I didn't, their perspective is like, I'm not going to the elevator because you guys are there. Right. So yeah. it's definitely going to be weird kind of transitioning. Back. And I think that in terms of for physiotherapy and any type of hands-on practice, it's going to be a little bit slower in terms of picking things back up. I think that it's not just going to be like, Oh, like once we open, we're going to get, you know, like a full caseload and people want to come in. I think it's going to take a little bit of time to ramp up, but I think that, you know, with the kind of the onset of virtual care or tele-rehab, I think that's going to be, this whole COVID situation kind of kick-started this, uh, this whole kind of online rehab. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Veronica? Yeah, I think it's going to be kind of interesting seeing if people are even comfortable coming into physio. Like, I think there's definitely some people who are, like, as soon as things open, they're, like, ready to go. But I think you're definitely going to have some people who maybe would prefer to stay with tele-rehab, um, at least until, like you said, there's a vaccine or things kind of settle down a bit. I don't know, are you guys planning on doing a bit of a hybrid for the first little bit or? Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. no, I think Telegraph's here to stay. Um, I think it really depends on how we use it. I think for me, especially because I'm in Edmonton and there's some surrounding areas where, you know, I've had patients, uh, I've chatted this, about this before, I've had patients come from like two hours up north because there's not a clinic um, close to them and we're one of the closer clinics. Um, so for some of those people, I think telehealth would be perfect, right? Um, obviously, um, you know, considering the case and everything, but um, I think just being able to provide them with like even a hybrid model, we'll say like if they want to come in, um, we can they can do that or if there's tele rehab an option as well. Because um, I think it's going to be also helpful just for the caseload as well and to maintain um, maintain the actual um, con- uh, the engagement and connection with the patient as well. I'm just thinking like you know when I was even in Ontario when I was there like one of the main things that always messed up the caseload was when there was like a big winter storm or big, like um, big, big rainstorm or something that was like crazy weather wise, this tell rehab can actually help be a backup because some people really need to come in in that day and, you know, the snow is going to be stopping some external factor, right? Maybe they really wanted to come in, but you can always have that as an option to just switch them, like even right away, keep those slots and just actually just do tele rehab uh, with them if they, if you need to, I think it'll be a good option to have, uh, but it's going to be interesting to see if the entire industry will, will kind of hold on to tele rehab. If there's, like a, if, if everything goes back to quote unquote normal, if it does, I think there's slightly, it's never going to be hundred percent like normal. There's going to be a little bit of changes um, that are going to be here to stay, but um, I'm just curious to see if tele-rehab is going to be kind of one thing that's going to, it's going to stay, but I do agree with, with the consumer behavior changing a little bit. I think um, people are going to be a little bit more cautious uh, about that. To your point, like uh, I had a client who he can only come in, like maybe once a month or once every two months because he'd be always going up to the cottage, right? Mm-hmm. And since this whole virtual started, 
we've actually gotten better outcomes doing virtual with him because like, I can see him more consistently as opposed to seeing him like let's say once a month when he's in person when he's in Toronto. So I think awesome. that um, you know for some clients like you said that are a little bit more north that don't have access to care, right? Then this could be uh, beneficial to help you know maintain their maintain their care, their care and their treatments. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. The one positive thing I've seen with rehab, with tele-rehab, is that people are actually more intense with their exercises because it's one of the central points of the rehab, right? So everybody's been doing them like an absolute beauty. So I literally don't have a single patient at this point who has said that they missed um, their prescri prescribed exercises. Um, at all. Like when I see people in person, sometimes they rely on the hands-on to uh, carry them forward, right? And they know that they'll get that hands-on release and they'll be able to move forward. But here they stick to the plan much better. And um, I think, like you said, Sarush, um, specifically yesterday in Toronto, there was snow. Uh, and I 100% specifically, <laughs> but if I was in the clinic that nobody would show up, but in the tele rehab, everybody showed up. Right. So, um, it has that beautiful impact through the winter, but again, reaching, uh, expanding the reach of your clinic beyond the two kilometers on average radius in Toronto, right. In Edmonton, it's uh, a little bit bigger, but still, uh, there's bigger rural population that needs to be served. Yeah. Now, I'm curious as to uh, when you guys started doing virtual, was there any resistance from your clients as to, let's say, you know, a portion of our, of our practice is hands-on? Like, were they resistant to trying virtual because, you know, you couldn't put their hands on them? Like, how, and how do you guys approach these scenarios if that happened? Yeah, no, that's a, that's a really good question. I think inherently, like, if you think about it, I don't think people were like realistically resistant to the actual treatment um, uh, of tele-rehab or, or through the delivery. It's more so they just didn't understand it. Um, you know, when somebody doesn't understand something or just doesn't know how it works, automatically the safest bet is not to do it. Right. That's just kind of, I think it's a bit of human nature too, right? When you imagine like you're, you know, there's this big dark like alley, you know, your instincts kick in. Okay. Oh, I don't know what's in that alley. I'm not going to go there. Right. You're not going to, well, some people will be like, Ooh, interesting. Like walk in. Right? <laughs> but, like, but you know, I think from a human nature to uh, like from the protection, like perspective, just the fight or flight, all, all that stuff, like you wouldn't try it right away. But if somebody shed a light on it and just, you saw that, Oh, it was just a dead end. You'd go and check it out. Right. So what we had to do was just shed that light, like let people understand, like, what is this about? How are they going to get the same quality of care through a different um, mechanism of delivery? Because again, I've, I've like, I've definitely believed in that you can definitely get really good outcomes with telehab and I've seen it like firsthand now, right? I've had, I've had some patients that, are, that now that we're open, I'm like, Hey, like, would you want to stay on telehab or do you? And I've given them options that will obviously after I screen them and, um, you know, they're like, yeah, I'm cool to stay because I actually really like this and it's convenient for them. They get the outcomes, um, they're progressing in the rehab. So why not? Right. Um, so I think, you know, at the beginning, yeah, I think people were just more resistant because they just didn't know what it was, but less about, because it was like you doing color rehab, I think. Yeah. And, you know, then the other question was like, okay, well, what's the price? How much is it going to cost? And it costs less because it's this, like, because it's not in person and all that stuff. So I think yeah. it was really interesting to create a little bit of a paradigm shift on that, you know, this physiotherapy 
is not like doesn't equal directly to the hands-on care. Yeah. All the other stuff around the care is just as important, if not more important. Right. I think the hands-on care is really valuable to get you um, get you to buy in, especially individuals who come in believing that this is what they need. But mm-hmm. you'll have time to actually kind of work on that and to educate them that hey, like hands-on care can help, but it's not the only thing that will help you. Like this other stuff that we talk, the education, the exercise, the guidance, um, you know, the motivation piece. Like you know, as physios, what I've really learned, like you know, over the past few weeks, is that I've become way better at communicating and motivating. Because I'm not there in person to, to do things, right? So I have to be really good on the screen to motivate that person to say, hey, yes, you can do this. Okay, the exercise is a little off. Don't worry. Let's work on this. I'm going to show you this technique that you can do, you know, to do a little bit of a self-like release. And then you can do this. And I tell them how to combine things. We're, we're kind of like the – I see it, uh, myself as like the – the, the maestro, the conductor, right? I'm trying to conduct the whole plan of care, right? Okay, well, do a little bit of this, add this in, do some of that, do this at this time. Like you're, you're kind of building something for them. You're building a little bit of like this routine that's going to hopefully become a part of their lifestyle so that it, you know, that's, that's actually true empowerment when they start to do it on your own and on their own, then they, they don't actually need you uh, to continue unless there's something that's new coming up or if they want to come in to, you know, to do some sort of check-in or something like that. But um, that's for me, that's been really interesting. My communication has gotten way better because people didn't understand and I had to work extra hard to make sure they didn't understand what this whole thing's about. Totally, totally. And to your point, uh, I think what I've learned is a lot of, of what we do is, is um, about, you know, behavior change and accountability, and accountability right? Mm-hmm. And like, for me, just working on that communication has been really important just to be able to help educate, help uh, empower my clients, right? Because I can't see them in person, I can't put my hands on them. So I think going back into practice, like my communication skills are going to be just that much better, right? Now, I'm curious, it's, is that interesting term for students, right? Uh, now, Veronica, has your, any of your professors at Mac mentioned anything about virtual or just kind of the landscape for you guys? Um, it's kind of interesting right now. There's a lot of talk about, um, like at least the 2020 cohort finishing placements tele-rehab, um, which has got a lot of students, like there's kind of like two camps. It's like, well, I'd rather do tele-rehab and graduate closer to on time and like just get the experience like when I'm working and also like tele-rehab is probably here to stay. So it's good to have that experience. But then there's a lot of people who are uncomfortable say they haven't had enough like hands-on experience and are really worried about graduating without the hands-on skills that typically you really need, especially in private practice. So I think it'll be really interesting seeing like this round of new grads, like especially like trying to get jobs because if people aren't seeing as many people in person, do they need new physios? And are those physios ready? Because do they have like the hands-on skills? Is there going to be a bit more like mentorship needed? That kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, the thing is, it's it seems like the camps that you're talking about uh, fit for the patients as well, right? So some are super eager to jump onto the uh, tele-rehab platform right away. Uh, and some are very hesitant, right? What happens with the hands-on situation? And you, I might not be getting as much value without the hands-on, right? But the thing is, it's all about setting the expectations, right? Like Saroosh said, shedding the light to the patients is essentially uh, clearing up all the expectations and clearing out that uncertainty uh, that comes with tele-rehab at this point. And um, all, th- uh, all of us doing tele-rehab at this point, 
it just speaks to the fact that you can manage patients very effectively uh, doing tele-rehab and get amazing results. Sometimes, like Justin, you said, even better than uh, what you did in person, right? Because, uh, again, as you guys have alluded to before, we're always managing the patient or the client as opposed to the actual injury, right? Because a lot of factors come with that. It's uh, how much commitment they can have to the plan of care, right? And how they're going to be committed with you and how they fit with the physiotherapist. And it's not the injury that's the main focus, managing the patient, right? Totally, totally. I think that it's funny because uh, since going on online, uh, one of the biggest barriers before in person was uh, people's commitment uh, in terms of time, right? It's like, I don't have time for this. Right. But like now they're, they're at home the whole time. Right. So it's like, well, I, I haven't had as much kind of, uh, resistance in terms of like, well, you're not doing anything else. Right. So I better see you next week. Yeah, I know. It's definitely, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting because like you said, uh, Marco, from the student perspective, I think, um, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see because I think that if you know I actually believe that if if the if your cohort goes through telehab first that their communication will get even better and then once you know when you do do the hands on stuff I think that's gonna make you guys even better physios because I think the one thing that so it was kind of like it's a little bit reversed sometimes because again now now I think the curriculum's always shifting and things are adding in which is really nice to see because they've now brought in more tele-rehab like education more soft skills education but you know historically even like the the soft skills wasn't a major focus and that's why now they have the pain science in there they have the soft skills they have communication skills in the actual curriculum which is really nice to see but it was always a little bit reversed right so you do the hands-on first and then learn communication as you do it right but it's actually going to be interesting because you guys might be doing the reverse you guys will likely be learning the communication stuff first and then doing the hands-on care so you'll be understanding how to actually um how to like you know work on that motivation piece the commitment piece um getting people to understand what their plan of care is about all those different things and then when you actually go in you're going to be like a lethal physiotherapist it's going to be really good and you're going to be like outcomes galore i think it's going to be interesting to see that because that's why i'm actually um, I think the students right now are in a really good position because this is the time they could take to work on that communication piece. Because if your communication isn't uh, really good on tele-rehab, you might not be able to get the outcomes that you want, right? So really right now, the only thing you have is communication. Um, plus obviously the education and tools that you know from before, but the delivery of those tools, there has to be that medium, be that bridge between you and the therapist is the communication. So if your communication isn't good, then regardless of if you're in person or not, your, your, your caseload is going to suffer if you don't have good communication. That's, that's, that's what I've really, really learned. And, you know, now that we're kind of working with our therapists at our clinic too, and I can already see that their, their caseload is actually even better from what it was before. Obviously it's a little bit lighter because, you know, we've limited our, our slots and, and things are a little bit more limited in general, but I think that it's been having a really good positive effect on them being able to, how do they describe why this one exercise would be important for their plan or why this one piece of like, like daily modification, um, why is that important to them? Like, again, oftentimes what I noticed, even myself, when I first started, what I was doing, I was just giving the tools. I was like, okay, you shouldn't sit for too long. Do this exercise and um, do these things. Like, do, do, do this, do this, do that. And give him like a checklist of things. You know, it's great. But most of the time, if the patient doesn't understand why that's important, 
they're just going to be like, okay, yeah, I have my exercise, but oh man, I didn't do like any of my exercises. Yeah. That's actually a reflection of them not understanding why it's important to do it. It's not a reflection of them being lazy or something, right? It, they have, they're busy. They ha- they're, they have lives that they're living, right? So we have to understand, you know, why did that person not do the exercise? It's not because like, they don't think that it's not that they don't want to get better. It's just that they didn't really understand why that's going to impact their goal and how's that going to get them to their goals. Yeah, for sure. I think it takes like a lot more confidence too. I think it's hard if you haven't had that experience and then you're trying to explain it. I think you have to like really have the confidence in what you're saying to sell it, especially over like a virtual thing. So I think it would like, it would be really challenging to have it as a placement, but I do think down the road, it would really be beneficial and really help you to like get more confident in your knowledge and your skills. And to your point, Veronica, actually one of the biggest barriers for physios taking on virtual care in the beginning was not the uh, resistance from patients, but it was actually the resistance from like uh, the actual physios themselves um, and not believing that they actually deliver value, right? I think that goes to like, if, if current physios right now that have been practicing don't believe that they can add value, right? Then it's like, okay, well, if you think about a student, right? So I think a lot of it is just, you know, believing in yourself and having that confidence that you can provide value and you can, um, you know, have good outcomes with clients, right? And I think that if you guys go through that and yeah, it might be a big struggle and it'd be quite challenging at first, but the, the, the outcomes after that, you guys are going to be in such a better position, like coming out as new grads. Mm-hmm. You bet. Yeah. That was actually a really good point. Um, uh, Justin, cause you know, physios are just the exact same as our patients or, or clients. It's for the same thing. Like, if why did why did the physios when they first started why were some resistant to telerehab and some not right maybe it was a piece that they just wanted to like take a break from all the clinical care they just wanted to be on serve they just want to like chill out or maybe it's that they didn't understand um what the telerehab was and how it's going to help but they also didn't understand it that's actually a huge piece if you yourself don't understand what the actual value of the delivery of what you're giving is then the patient's going to, they're going to like stiff that out very quickly. They're going to understand, okay, this person doesn't really believe in this. Why am I believing in this? Right. And, and now it's the same thing. Exact analogy with the dark tunnel with physios. Telerehab is just that one thing at the end of that dark tunnel, but you don't know what's in that dark tunnel. Someone has to shed some light on there so that they understand. That's why the leaders of the clinic have to be the ones to step up first, even if they're not hundred percent, like if they've never done it, like they have to start to trial to see how it works and, and really pave the way for the rest of their staff. Right. And that's why that, that piece is also the same thing. All this really boils down to the one main principle, which is like you said, the human behavior psychology is like the most, one of the most influential, influ- uh, influential factors um, in the entire like the scope of things we're all people it's people working with people if you if you don't think about the human behavior piece you might as well not think about the anatomy piece right like when people ask me which anatomy course should i take or which physiology course, i'm like take whichever one you want but make sure to take some sort of psychology course to understand human behavior because if you don't understand that piece then you're not you you won't be able to understand why people don't do what they don't do for example <laughs> like why you know you can come up with all kinds of reasons why 
someone, some a physio decided not to do Tyler Rehab, you know, um, but it could all have been just, they weren't confident enough or they were just deep down. There was some anxiety about trying the Tyler Rehab because they just don't know what it looks like. They don't know how it's going to help people. They have to understand that uh, they have to understand those pieces. It's just like a new grad coming into um, like a full new grad hasn't done a full chemical caseload by themselves, let's say, and they come into practice. They're going to be a little bit anxious at the beginning. We all were right. But it's the same thing. This whole teller we have is kind of like everybody becoming new grads all over again, trying this new thing because we have to, to help support our patients. Right. And so somebody had to pave the way. So somebody had to try it first. Somebody had to work out the kinks and then give the next person a much smoother path. Still going to be some like bumps in the road, but much smoother path to the next person. So again, understanding that, that piece of like, why do people not do something or why do people avoid doing something? It's a lot of times it might boil down to them not being motivated intrinsically or not understanding what the value of that specific thing is, right? Like if your tooth hurts, you go to the dentist, right? Because you, in your mind, there's value of going to the dentist because he'll stop the pain. He'll yeah. change, he'll fix the tooth or do whatever he needs to do or her. And it's the same thing, right? But you know, if I had perfect teeth, never had a cavity in my life and I said, Hey, go to the dentist. Sometimes that, that might be, you might say, oh, I've never had any issues in my mouth. Like, why should I go to the dentist? Even though you should, like, you know, to get cleanings, to check up, make sure, because sometimes you don't know if the cavity is there until you don't want to get to the pain like level. But same thing with physios, right? Mm -hmm. Like, well, why should I go to the physio when I get injured? I'll just walk it off, mm -hmm. right? So again, people don't understand, physios don't understand. We're all humans. Humans, when they don't understand, they'll go to the most comfortable thing they know we're meant to protect ourselves. Like it's just like a protection mechanism. Yeah. Right. And it's natural. It's normal. And so I think that's, that's something that is often sometimes overlooked. And so we start to, you know, put blame or something on yeah. somebody because they're not, they're, they don't want to do it. But, but why did they, they did not, do they not want to do it? Do they not understand it? Is it, is there totally. anxiety about it? Right. Totally. And mm -hmm. to your point, like it's not that a lot of times it's not, it's not that the exercise program doesn't work. It's because a person doesn't understand the, why the benefit exercise program is going to help them. Right. And I, I talk to a lot of clients and like, they come from previous physios and I'm like, Oh, like, why are we like, and I, we always uh, kind of review the exercise that, uh, that they were given before. And I'm like, well, why do you do that? Why did it, why do you do the exercise? And they're like, I don't know. Like, it, I don't, it, I guess it was supposed to help me. Right. And so, and I was like, well, were you consistent with it? And they're like, uh, you know, I mean, I did it like here and there. Right. Mm -hmm. And the biggest thing for me is like, okay, well, when I give a specific exercise to someone, right, I have to really uh, explain why that exercise relates to their recovery and how it relates to their goal, right? And mm -hmm. I and uh, I was on this uh, the Myo Detox webinar. It was, I think, the Think Tank webinar recently, and uh, I think it was Drew. You mentioned that patients have to understand, kind of, you have to explain the, the journey of their recovery for them. You have to outline each step of the way for them to kind of buy into what you're doing, right? If they don't know what they're doing and, and where they're going, then it's it's a lot less likely that they're gonna buy in, right? So if you're like, if you, if you from the first session, you lay out that journey for them and you're, and you'll be like, hey, this exercise is gonna be working on, let's say your range of motion, right? Once we get your range of motion, we're gonna be working on strength, right? And from there, it's like, you build up this these sequential steps for them, then you help, then that helps them buy into the journey, right? And it also helps to increase their adherence to why they're doing what they're doing, right? Well, the thing is, it's uh, going along with that concept of activation energy, right? To get something started is a lot more difficult than for something to continue. And once the virus came, the COVID, right? 
we've already activated certain people for rehab and they're going on. But then if everything shuts down, then we have to reactivate everything back again. And for some people, they're going to have setbacks and it's almost like starting from square one, right? So in my mind, personally, um, I don't think there was even a specific choice to not do tele-rehab or to do tele-rehab. It had to be done because uh, you have to think as a physiotherapist, your commitment is always to your patients, right? And the extent of your commitment to your patients is how you brand yourself, right? How your reputation is. Because uh, if you're somebody who, for example, goes to six vacations a year, hypothetically, right? Uh, what happens to your caseload during those uh, vacations? Are you going to prescribe visits based on, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep you going twice a week for this many weeks, but then, oops, I'm going for vacation for two weeks. Let's skip those two weeks because you're so much better, but then we're going to pick up twice a week after that, right? It's the same thing with the virus, right? The only thing is nobody knows how long it was going to stay for, right? And we still don't know what's going to happen in the future. So you can't put a pause in somebody's rehab plan for two months and completely not touch base with them, right? So there could be different ways of doing that, but tele-rehab became um, one of the biggest ways to do so because before it was a fun little alternative that, oh, you have the hands-on, right? And that's what you stick by, but then you could also do tele-rehab, but now that once the hands-on comes out, tele-rehab becomes your main option at this point. So it seems like we had to make that choice in favor of our patients more so than uh, to keep the clinics going, right? But it all comes in together, right? Quality service and the quality outcomes all around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And, and, you know, the way I kind of look at this is, like you said, Justin, too, when you lay out the plan, like they have to understand what the plan is going to look like from day one to you know, the finish line here. But at the same time, you have to have that breakthrough. Like you just need to have that breakthrough once at the beginning, right? When in terms of that's when they, you know, either understand the value of something or like, let's say they do an exercise for like between um, after you assess them, you give them something to do, you give them the exercise, they come in next session, like, Hey, you know, my, I'm feeling a lot better. I can actually reach for my cupboard now just after like one session, right? They start to get that value. You, you broke through to them once. So now they understand why this is going to be important. So they'll also buy into, you know, your expertise as a therapist. Um, so that's when that real therapeutic alliance starts to build, right? So you're both now, improving your report because now they bought into you you're obviously bought into their plan because you know you want to make sure they get better they get back to what they're doing so it comes together in one piece like that and then again it can can definitely be a lot smoother in terms of their recovery process and um and that's going to be a huge piece to just advocate for the profession right if more and more people understand physiotherapy helps them more people are going to just more and more people will go to physiotherapy as a first line of defense rather than going to a couple other people because i've had people they, they've tried some two other things before they came to me right but they could have come straight to me at the beginning and then if we needed to refer out we could refer out too right so i think it's going to be good for your for your reputation like you said as a physiotherapist good for your community, good for your clinic, and really good for the profession in general. This is, to me, this is how I can advocate, is if I actually get people better. Because, and again, you're not always going to get 100% like symptom reduction, 100% of, of anything perfect is never, might not always be there. But to make something more manageable for them, let's say they've dealt with chronic pain, how are you going to help them manage with, with the chronic pain piece? How are you going to help them manage their day-to-day life if, for example, they're just so go, 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 
that, you know, and they have an overuse injury, how are you going to manage that? That's one of the hardest actually injuries that I find dealing with because people are so go, go, go. And their you know, their injuries are from repetitive overuse. How are you going to try to impact their lifestyle to change some, uh, some lifestyle modifications so it doesn't keep happening to them over and over, right? Totally. So that's, that's that piece that I think, that, again, this is part of that practice management piece too, right? Like yeah. the clinical piece is really, really important to understand what's going on with the patient. Then the delivery of that expertise from the clinical side is actually that practice manager, quote unquote, business side right? That's the outside piece. There's that internal and the external piece. If you don't have both pieces, this is where sometimes you get disconnected. You know, your patient drops off. You're like, why do they drop off? But I told them they have lateral epicondylitis. Like, like, what? What's lateral epicondylitis? (laughs) (laughs) Well, we know what it is, but like you give them some fancy diagnosis and and a fancy like program, but they don't understand why it's important. They're not going to come back. They're going to be like, well, I just wanted some tents and some heat. Yeah. Right. So there's, this is very common. Like people come in, they just want, just want the machine or they want some hands on care, which is fine. This is, and again, you have to think what the previous, like, like the modalities were a lot more quote unquote hot, like, you know, 10 years ago, but now, you know, things are changing. Times are changing and we're using modalities differently. Um, still using it, but a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. And so again, having that first breakthrough um, for them to understand why that plan of care is going to actually help them get back to what they want to do, which is again, why they came through your door mm-hmm. or virtual door. Like, that's why um, it's going to be so important to have that plan, but also to help share, make sure they have that breakthrough along that journey. Right. Yeah. Cool. Now, yeah, totally, I, I totally agree. And it, it's funny because if you boil it, down to, boil it down to like this most simplest form, right? It's like just being able to get client better, right? And if you get them better and they had a good experience, then they're going to mm-hmm. tell their peers, they're going to tell their family, right? And I, it's when, when you were talking about this, it, it actually reminded me of a talk we had with Daryl and Daryl asked uh, you, Saroosh, she was like, oh, like what, what, what would it mean to, for you to be successful as a physio? And you mentioned if, if I were to treat um, a, three gen- a client and they're like the three generations. So like if I treat a client, I treat the mother, I treat the daughter. That's what it means to be successful to me. And that really resonated with me because if you like, having a like having a client give you a referral especially a family referral that is the biggest to me uh indication of you being successful in terms of what you do because mm-hmm. that person is literally a brand ambassador of Sarush the physio or Sarush physio right and follow me on instagram prince <laughs> no but like exactly right and, and i think that's like you know that, that's so important it's like if you do a good job and you actually get people better then they're going to tell their friends they're going to tell your family right and i think that sometimes that that gets missed especially you know let's say as a new grad right um and they're like oh like i just want new clients i want new clients right but if you do a good job with the people that you are already working on then it's going to just organically your your, your case is going to organically grow and people are going to hear you right mm-hmm. so yeah, it's interesting because I actually, you know, um, so uh, one of our one of our schoolmates, uh, Jonah, I think you guys know that he makes the the videos um, about physio, and he 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 sent a few questions um, for me to do a video on, and one of the questions there was, um, what does physiotherapy like mean to you? And you know, one of the things I mentioned there was that physiotherapy, like to me, means community, right? We're helping the communities 
but we're actually building a community of our own within a community. So the people coming in and out of your clinic or in and out of your practice or your caseload, they're a part of that community that, you know, work with you and want your help and, and, you know, want to help, want you to give your expertise to them. And, and, that is really interesting to me because like you said, like the three generation piece, that was one of my, like the first goals. Um, now I'm hopefully going to four or five generations. We'll see if I can make that happen. <laughs> but, um, but the, you know, what I've noticed is especially now that I'm like much deeper into the practice is that that rapport is the most powerful tool that you have as a physiotherapist, because if the patient trusts you, if the patient understands what your expertise are and how you can help them. And, you know, you come, we come from a good place of we have all these tools and we want to provide these tools to the patient to help them. When that bridge gaps, it's just such a powerful, such a powerful thing, right? That the, the, the patients will, will, you know, they will now be loyal to you and you're obviously loyal to the, the patients. So this community starts to build around that, that clinic. And, and a lot of, that's why really good clinics, you know, have this goodwill around them, right? People will come in and out of that clinic because now they believe in the brand of you and the clinic and that community is starting to build around your, yourself and the clinic uh, as well, right? That's why it's so, so important to, uh, to connect with those people because again, we're not gonna just see them once, right? Uh, you know, some, in some roles as a physio, you might, right? But for our role here in private practice in the clinics, very rarely, very rarely, like you'll see them only one time, right? So in that time, you have such a, you have a, such a strong ability to build that rapport and connection. And like you yep. said, it's such a big compliment when somebody refers their mom or their daughter or their, their son to you yep. um, to come see you for their care. They trust you enough to bring their own family member to come yeah. see you. Yeah. That's it, just, that's crazy. It, it's funny because I, I saw a client, right. And, um, she was referred by her friend, uh, to see the, uh, the owner, uh, or, or the one of our chiropractors. Right. And, um, he is like one of the, one of the best chiropractors I know. And her friend who is a, a nurse, a, a colleague of her, um, she kept telling her, she's like, yo, you gotta see this crowd. You gotta see this crowd. Like you gotta see this. And she's like, yeah, I'll, I'll see him. And it got, literally got to a point where she was having pain and her friend literally booked the appointment and made the appointment in front of her. Like that's how strong that connection that he made with, with that, that client was. And when she told me about like, cause like I always ask them like, Oh, how do you hear about our clinic? Right. Um, and when she told me that, I was like, damn, like the amount of trust that he built, the amount of rapport, the amount of like, uh, kind of your alliance that he built with that client, that must've been uh, like through the roof. Right. And, and, and for me, like if you boil it down, like we, we talk about therapeutic clients in school, right. It, it's it's when you boil it down, it's just about building trust, right? Um, mm -hmm. And you know, building rapport, building connection, and you have to do that kind of you know within the first couple of sessions, right? Because once you build trust, then you can do like you know, it's it's you can you can treat the way that you kind of want to treat because they trust what you do and they trust you as the physio as as the as as the brand, right? Mm -hmm. Any thoughts for you, Slava or Veronica? Well, I mostly just wanted to. The thing is, I agree with what you're saying 100%. Um, even just when I started practicing is I thought the soft skills and the report is the biggest thing because we're new grads coming out of the uh, school not knowing too much in terms of hands-on experience, right? Uh, we were taught really well, but the thing is you always adjust to your style. And we're still finding our style. But in terms of the rapport, 
I think all three of us and Veronica in the future when she starts practicing, uh, definitely the rapport is going to be there and that's why people are coming back. It's not because I can press a specific spot and release a certain muscle, right? It's mostly about that we know how to manage people, it's we know how to connect with them and that makes the commitment grow stronger and around the stronger commitment grows a community, right? And around uh, family members coming together, around friends of the family, friends of friends, the community grows and grows and grows and that's how you build a successful practice quickly, right? And again, as we mm -hmm. said, good for you as a clinician, good for the patient, good for the clinic, good for the community, right? Uh, and good for physiotherapy at large because um, I feel like some of the challenges that we face is we've had to shed some negative stereotypes about physiotherapy that is just connecting to a modality and uh, sitting there in a lonely room for 30 minutes and then coming back and saying, hey, how was everything? And that's it, right? So unfortunately, in every business, there's uh, bad apples in the industry. There's good apples in the industry. But hopefully we get more good apples in there with uh, the kind of service we're providing. <laughs> An apple a day keeps the doctor away. Right? <laughs> good apple. Yeah, they're not doctors. Bad apple. Bad apple. It's a fast track in the doctor. <laughs> well, how about you, Veronica? Yeah, no, I think it's super important. And I think a lot of that comes to do with confidence too. Like, as, like just on placement like half the time the biggest struggle is just introducing yourself as a student physio and like automatically some people have like a really negative connotation with that like I paid to see a physio and I'm only seeing a student so I think it's really important as a new grad or as a student to really be confident in yourself and be able to portray like why you can be trusted and being open about if you don't understand or like you don't really know how to treat it best, like you do have that mentorship and you can fall back on that. But I think it's important to be really open with your patients about like where you're at and how confident you are and like really trying to build some of that trust. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Huge, huge. That's definitely, you know, I had that happen uh, to me, you know, I had a, a patient say, Hey, no, I want to actually, see the physio and I don't want to see the student which is it's okay I mean this is you know and at the end of the day the patient will have well it's their choice I'm, I'm not going to say no you have to see me right but um what I realized then is like maybe I didn't do a good enough job of uh, helping them understand why I can almost deliver as good of a care because I'm under the supervision of the the preceptor right they can they're like overlooking me we go over the we go over the plan I tell them like what I want to do on that day and you know they say okay yeah that's not like a good idea if it's not good they'll, they'll say hey why don't you try this so that that communication piece was really really important right and I think um you know, I personally, I realized it a little bit later than I should have, you know, I'll be honest with that, right? I didn't, I wasn't, I was thinking, okay, I need to make my, like my hands-on skills needed to get better for sure. Cause I'm learning obviously, and my hands-on skills were definitely not as good. Um, so that was one thing, but I was almost overlooking completely the whole communication and connection piece. And that was one of my biggest like flaws when I was going through placement. Cause I wasn't trying to build rapport. I was just trying to diagnose, which is, um, which is, yeah, this is, and again, you do need to understand again, I don't want to, go without saying that that's important if you don't know how to diagnose an injury then there's a big issue there already but you have to understand the other piece too you can't ignore it because again we're not just a bag of bones and muscles yeah. there's there's a brain controlling the entire body right so there's a whole power sensor if you completely ignore that one vital organ in the body then you're 
it's, it's a big disservice to even your own personal growth as a physiotherapist. Yeah. And I totally agree. Sure. Like as a student myself, I went through the exact same thing as you, right? Like I'm working on my clinical skills, right? I'm trying to work on my handling, right? Let's say doing a specific uh, range of motion test or, or uh, manual therapy technique, right? I'm so focused on that, that I kind of lost that, uh, uh, piece where I'm connecting with the client, right? Because I'm so focused on just like handling, right? So I think that's something that's you know with any student that I talk to is like it's like how do we find that balance, right? Where you work, hmm. you're working on your your skills, right? You're working yeah. on handling, you're working on let's say teaching a specific exercise, but you're also working uh, a big portion on, on connecting with the client, right? Because mm -hmm. once you once you're able to connect with the client, then you have a little bit more leeway to like okay maybe you're not too sure of like how to do something, right? But they trust you, mm -hmm. so you have you, you can you can spend a little bit more time practicing that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, six seventy thirty, right? Like I, again, like I said, like the clinical skills are really important, especially when you're first starting. You have to understand clinically what's going on. Um, but the thirty percent still in while you're in school should be focused on the communication and, and building rapport. Um, now, for me, it's like flipped on its head, right? So really, seventy percent is is me making sure that I got my communication down pat. And then like, as I'm building, I'm doing more courses and I'm, I'm seeing more patients, the clinical piece is still going to keep growing. You're going to get better. You're going to do more courses. Like that's going to keep evolving. Right. But the communication is actually really much harder, but there's all these great courses now that you could do like with, with Jim Millard, he's got their communication, the compass course as well. Like, which, and again, I highly recommend that if, if, if somebody wants to work on their motivation and training, like communication skills, like, and he did a, a webinar recently um, uh, for our team and, you know, it was amazing. Like just, that piece and this is an individual and Jim's a guy who's been in the practice and has been in the game for a while now. So he's understood the clinical piece where he teaches like the Mulligan courses, but he's now really understanding and he's understood for a very long time that that communication piece is so important, which is why, you know, him and his team built that course. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's the shift we've already seen, but um, I think it's going to keep growing and especially with this tele rehab um, coming in at this speed, I think people are starting to realize how important that communication piece really is because now the hands-on component is almost like fully cut out, right? So how are you going to manage somebody's pain or how are you going to manage somebody's, uh, how are you going to get them back to their goal? Are they going to graduate from their care virtually? I just graduated two people last week from virtual care, right? And I, I you know, when I first started, I was like, Am I going to, are we going to get to that point or not? I wasn't a hundred percent sure because I don't know, is this going to last two weeks? Is it going to last like 10 years? Like how long is it going to last? Right. But hopefully not 10 years, but, <laughs> but you know, the, you know, I don't know. Right. So it was really interesting to see yes, I can, they can finish their plan of care while they're doing virtual. Right. And so now I'm, I'm curious cause you know, I've had people who I started virtually, who I assessed them virtually. Now it's, um, you know, you know, give it a, a few more weeks and, I'll probably be graduating them virtually, right? Which is going to be like one of the first few ones. The ones that I graduated last week, I've seen, I was seeing them in person, finish them off virtually. Like it was, the plan was all complete after that. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm just curious to see what the industry is going to look like in, in a year or two when everybody starts to like, their communication skills get so much better, right? Um, and what the physio industry as a whole, that advocacy piece, how's that going to look like? Yeah, it's kind of hard. It's like, how do you advocate for the profession when 
all of a sudden the profession is like flipped on its head mm-hmm. you know like trying to gain that awareness of physio and now all of a sudden it's like you're selling a whole different product almost mm-hmm. yeah absolutely the, the, it's a different product but the same principles mm-hmm. and i think that's that's what's going to be that's what's going to help us you know be advantageous and successful in this situation in the situation and for years to come cool so maybe before we kind of end off the chat here what's one thing that you guys are looking forward to doing in the next week in your practice here let's start with you uh slava well the one thing is uh we're i'm looking forward to reintegrating everything back to get the plan for reopening the clinic because uh, it's a distinct possibility in ontario now so i'm thinking as Justin said, within two to four weeks, but we have to have things open because our clinic that I'm currently at, uh, it's all independent contractors. So I want to create a sense of unity when we come back because the way we ended off was everybody kind of did their own thing, but we need to reunite the team together. So we have to get them on a meeting together and uh, talk about the plan as a team. Okay, awesome, the meeting. All right, how about you, Justin? Uh, one thing I'm looking forward to is uh, getting back to in-person sessions. I, I think that for me, I, haven't been, I like using my hands. Right? Not to, not, not to, uh, I, I like using my hands to just, you know, just to, you know, and whatnot. So, you know, it's, uh, it would be nice to get back and just, you know, be able to, um, be able to, to help facilitate my clients that way. Like, you know, I started just self-releasing my own neck because, like, you know, I was getting, like, a little bit... <laughs> Uh, uh, but I think yeah like just getting back into uh, in-person treatments and you know virtual I I like doing virtual it's it's more easier it's more um, convenient at home but it is a lot more energy taxing for me personally Um, you know I just always be talking right and sometimes I like just being in person where it's a little bit more um, easier to connect so I'm definitely looking to to the in-person sessions awesome how about you Veronica um, I'm kind of in just using this opportunity to kind of like brush up on um, different skills. Like we've got like the PPE coming up, kind of that kind of stuff. So just having a bit more time to work on just learning a bit more and trying to keep up with what's going on in practice, being one step removed. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah, it's definitely a really good time, especially, you know, like I said, for students to take advantage of this opportunity and, and try to refine some of those skills that, they otherwise wouldn't have time for if they were kind of still in the thick of it with the school stuff. I know schools are still going on online and, and, you know, they're continuing as much as they can, but I think it's going to be a good opportunity to try to kind of add that into your um, routine. So yeah, definitely. That's awesome. Um, One thing I'm looking forward to next week is to, um, I'm looking forward to see how our, our kind of model is going to work out because we have a little bit of an interesting like schedule model. So I'm doing a little bit of mix. I'm still, as of next week, like we're staying in person here. And um, I'm just curious to see how this model is going to work. And if it works, is this going to be the model that we're going to stick to like for long term? and you know how's that going to impact things in the in the clinic and so i'm just looking forward to see you know if all these things that we've been putting in place is it going to is it going to work well or do we need to make adjustments likely we'll need to make adjustments i don't think we're going to get it right the first time but um i'm just looking forward to just learning to see how well it can work and then what changes we can make to make it even better so that's that's the thing 
that's the one thing I'm looking forward to. All right. It was good chatting with you guys. Awesome to hear from okay. you. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to the PTBC podcast. Hope you enjoyed the episode today. Please check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and at our website, ptbusinesscorner.com. Feel free to send us a message on social media or email us at info at ptbusinesscorner.com. See you next time.